Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 2. In this series on joy, we are making our way through some key passages of Philippians. And uh, this, this is chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Starting at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. You know, it's always good when everything goes perfectly on a Sunday morning and everything that you prepare goes, goes great. And so I appreciate Wes reading the scripture that I provided and it's the wrong one. My fault. I emailed the wrong one. There were two scriptures available, and um, I prepared the one and um, sent Gwen the other one, which Wes just read. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate that. Wonderful job. How about if I read the scripture that I prepared this morning? Okay? Sorry about that. Philippians 1, 12 to 26. Paul's in prison. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my salvation. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living in Christ, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet I cannot say which I will choose. 
I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, and that is far better, better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that by my presence again with you, your boast might abound in Christ Jesus because of me. Well, as Jeff pointed out uh, in the opening, we're talking about joy these days. Today's theme is joy in all circumstances. Next week, we're going to be talking about joy in people serving God. Now, last week, Pastor Wes and friends defined joy. They talked about the difference between joy and happiness. You know, these terms are often uh, used synonymously, but they're not the same. Happiness says, if I just had this, or if I could just achieve fill-in-the-blank, then I would be happy. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with pursuing things that make us happy. I have many things, own many things, do many things that make me happy. Got a boat, got a camper, trying to convince my wife to get a snowmobile can all help me out with that. Um, got a lot of different things. However, happiness is reliant on circumstances while joy is not. And because joy is not reliant on circumstances, no one can take it away from us. Now this leads us in today's, into today's topic, which is how can we experience joy in all circumstances? And to do this, we're going to take a deep dive into the question we've all been pondering for years. How could it be possible for every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, to joyfully sing with no presence at all? I know you've thought about that. I think about that every Christmas. Like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Many here today have had to make difficult choices in the past uh, relating to military service. For those of you who have served in alternative, or alternative service, thank you. For standing up and being an example for those of us who followed. What you did inspired me personally and challenged me to stand firm in my convictions. I grew up in the 70s. I grew up post-Vietnam draft, but I still had to grapple with many of the same questions as those who did face the draft. I still had to register with the Selective Service. I had to decide how to, how to do that. There wasn't an option for, um, to, to, to mark my beliefs, and so I wrote it in. I lived under the real, very real fear of nuclear war, the threat. I remember contemplating the question, could I live in a country like the former Soviet Union uh, that severely persecuted Christians? How could I do that? How could I live, thrive, and survive in that environment? But I was totally convinced that it was possible and I could do it. Now, before we discuss how we can live in joy when facing difficult circumstances, I invite you to pray with me. 
Lord God, I just ask your, your presence here this morning through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask you to open up our minds and hearts to what you have to say to us this morning. And everybody will hear something different. And I just ask that you put on our hearts and minds what you want. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Joy is a Choice is the title of today's sermon. I was never very good about catchy titles, and I kind of want a retraction on this title, but that's okay. We'll talk about that. Um, I do believe that joy is a choice most of the time, but caveats apply here. So, because of the passage that I studied, not the passage that I had Wes read accidentally, um, my focus immediately went to the persecution side. And I, I was focused on that, and I started, did all my preparation on that. And then Friday morning, I woke up, and it's like, hold it. There's a lot more to all circumstances than what Paul was going through. So it's like, well... It's already, the, the, the title's already in print, so we need to talk about that a little bit. Because we face situations, other situations, that can temporarily at least take away our joy. We might lose a job, a close friend, a family member. We might experience physical or mental health issues, or face other difficult situations that for a time can steal our joy. And I just want to acknowledge that. Because we can, you know, sometimes as Christians, we think we have to put on our best face, right? And that if we're sad, if we're going through tough times and, and, and ha are having difficulty dealing with it, that there's something wrong with this because, hey, we're Christians, we have Jesus. No, that's just not the case. It's not the case. But my focus this morning is more specifically on I want to carve out how can we experience joy through times of persecution. So the other things we'll just kind of set aside. Uh, somebody else can preach on that. Um, so persecution, not something in our country that we have to deal with a lot. It's going to come eventually. It has in the past to different ex extents, um, but not like other parts of the world. And so we've been very fortunate to this point. But we have to always be prepared for it. We need to be at least thinking about it on occasion. How, like I did in, back, back in my uh, youth, I was forced to, to think about it, to grapple with it. And, and, and even if we're not facing it, it's important for us to at least be able to grapple with it and, and, uh, and think about that. Because times are changing and we need to be prepared to potential, uh, potentially face attacks because of our faith and our beliefs. Now the Grinch is pretend, but we do have real examples throughout history to help us in how, to, how do we, how do we have joy um, in, in these difficult circumstances where we are persecuted for our beliefs. You know, we have Paul in today's scripture, right? Before him, we had uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and other prophets and, and other people in, the, in scripture. After Paul, we have the martyrs, 
that are well documented. Um, the martyrs would even sing and praise to God while being tortured and killed. How is that possible? It is possible. How were they able to stand firm, to be confident in their faith, and be glad and rejoice in their trials? How can we follow them? How can we not only stand firm against the powers of our time, but be glad and rejoice in the trials that will come? We have many examples throughout history, but this passage, this passage that Paul gives us, is really a blueprint for us. So, there are six things I want to touch on that, uh, from this passage that I want to highlight that I believe will not only help us prepare for dealing with persecution, but will help us live in joy during those times. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Um, it's, it's, it's not. But the first thing is that I, I, I feel here from, from Paul's writing is that joy is a choice. Caveats apply. Yes, there are times where temporarily our joy can be taken from us because of our circumstances. While happiness is inwardly focused on ourselves, our desires, and our circumstances, joy is outwardly focused. Paul's focus in this passage was clearly not on his circumstances. He's in prison. And while he acknowledges this fact, he doesn't dwell on it. It's not his main focus. His focus is outward. He's not writing for, uh, to get help to get out of his unjust situation. He was accused unjustly. He's being held in prison unjustly. But that's not what he's writing about. That's not, he's not saying, hey, come help me. I need help. My circumstances. That's probably what would be pretty high on my priority list if I were, to, if I were in his shoes. But no, Paul's focus, again, was outward, not on his personal circumstances. Happiness tends to be inwardly focused, and again, joy tends to be outwardly focused. Joy is about something beyond ourselves, and it is something, to some extent, that we can choose, to some extent. Number two, circumstances are temporary. We need to remember that. Our circumstances are temporary. Paul wrote, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that by my presence again with you, your boast might, be, might abound in Christ Jesus because of me. You know, for non-believers, the day-to-day uh, day -day circumstances that they face are temp... Um, I'm sorry... <clears throat> For non-believers, the day-to-day -day circumstances is all that there is. So to be in Paul's situation is like being bound in chains. But for Christians, for us who believe in Jesus Christ, remembering that our circumstances are temporary should be freeing for us. Our circumstances don't define us as believers like they do those who have not yet been saved. Here's another difference in perspective that we as followers, followers of Jesus should have versus a non-believer. It's how we view this life. 
We agree with the non-believer that this life is temporary. We know that. But we also know that there is something more beyond this life. And we need to remember that. It's pretty important. Okay? As I mentioned before, I grew up in the 70s. And like I said, it was t I was totally convinced I could live under a hateful, violent, oppressive regime like the former Soviet Union. I have the same confidence today, but for different reasons. The reasons may have changed slightly. Back in the day, I didn't really have anything to lose. I didn't own anything. You know, that's easy. Easy to give up everything if you don't have anything, right? But today, what about all my prized stuff? But I know Jesus is much better, and it's worth it. You know, there's one thing that really impresses me about Paul that isn't often highlighted. He had it all. He had power, prestige, and I'm assuming wealth, and he gave it all up when he met Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, he had the confidence that his circumstances were temporary and was able to live with joy through his unjust imprisonment. Jesus said, to those who want to save their life, will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. Paul knew that. He knew that our, temp our circumstances were temporary. Number three, know that God is at work and have confidence in his power. In verse 20, Paul writes, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether it be by life or death. Paul has confidence in God's power to deliver him. He also knows that whether he, is, he lives or is killed, it doesn't change anything. Because either way, Christ will be exalted. Paul say, says this with the same confidence that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego proclaimed, If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Notice that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found no need to defend themselves. And Paul's message was exactly the same. Whether I live or I die, I'm going to go before the authorities and I'm going to proclaim the gospel. God works in human affairs and has sovereign authority over all. And Paul wisely placed his circumstances under the authority of God. It's easy to fall into the trap that whatever that, that it, whatever it is, is up to us. But when we place our circumstances under the God's authority, it allows us to see God working and helps us live with joy. Number four, God, know that God is working and remember our job. As followers of Jesus, our job and focus is to make him known to those who are lost. This brings great joy and reward in and of itself. It can be tempting to get discouraged, however, when those who oppose God cause us trouble. 
I'm sure Satan was very pleased when Paul was locked up so he couldn't be traveling to the churches, preaching, encouraging believers in person, meeting with church leaders, and training them. However, Paul reassured the Philippians that his imprisonment has not suppressed the work of the gospel. He writes, what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. The work not only continued in spite of the adversity, the adversity itself had turned out for the advancement of the gospel, not hindered it. Amazing what God can do. The imperial guard and others inside the Roman establishment were exposed to the gospel because of Paul's unjust imprisonment. I think this is fascinating. Satan loves to infiltrate the church and cause problems and lead people astray. It's so frustrating to see this happen. But when I read this passage, I'm thinking, hey, we can do the same thing. We can infiltrate Satan's strongholds just like he tries to do to us. And we need to infiltrate Satan's, the, the strongholds of evil and expose Satan's fraud by sharing the truth of the gospel. Our job is to share the gospel wherever, whenever, even in tough situations. Paul shows us it can be done and encourages us and inspires us to do the same. It can be scary, intimidating, dangerous, but know that God is at work ahead of us, with us, and after us. He works in spite of and through adverse circumstances. Number five, keep perspective. This can be tough to do when we are being attacked. Blessing is often mixed with adversity, and sometimes blessing only comes through adversity, right? When our joy is connected to the advancement of the gospel, however, rather than through our physical conditions or to the responses of, of other people to us, it will remain firm. Our joy will remain firm even in when these circumstances stand against us. I would argue that um, we should actually welcome criticism. If we are not attacked, if we are not criticized, we're not doing the right things. We should be making waves in our society. We should be countercultural in sharing the truth. Caution is needed here. Just because we are criticized doesn't mean we're right. There are many out-of-control church leaders that need to be exposed for their false doctrines. But we need to be careful about that, too. Because, well, as Paul points out, even those preaching out of false motives make the gospel known. Huh. So, what to do? Keep perspective. Is the gospel being shared, even from false motives? Yeah, Okay, don't sweat it. Are you being personally attacked for your beliefs? Yeah? Well, take it as a compliment. 
but also use the criticism to reflect on ourselves, our beliefs, make sure that we haven't veered off the path, right? When evil tries to silence us and take away our joy, keep perspective and remember that God is in control. When Satan tries to isolate us and convince us that we are alone like he did to Elijah, keep perspective and remember God is at work. I'm just going to read a quick passage from, from what Elijah was going to, through. He, he went from the, the pinnacle to being chased and he just felt he was all alone. Then there was a voice that came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, and thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. Woe is me. That's my insert. And they are seeking my life to take it away. Oh, I'm the only one. And it wasn't true. He wasn't the only one. But we can feel that way sometimes. He wasn't the only one left, but he lost perspective for a moment and forgot God was there and had his back. And we must also keep perspective of the big picture. And finally, number six, be an example and an inspiration for others. Paul emboldened others by his continuing to preach the gospel. He emboldened the people of that time. He's still doing that for us today 2,000 years ago. Those who received the gospel from him while he was in prison, he says, were made confident and dared to speak the word with great boldness and without fear. Just like Paul emboldened others to speak the truth, he himself was bold because of those who were before him, perhaps Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Elijah, or maybe somebody from his day even. I mentioned in the beginning that those who refused to serve in in the military, and again, I thank you for choosing alternative service. Even though I didn't know you personally when I was facing those questions and decisions growing up, you inspired me and others and gave me the confidence to also stand up and proclaim my beliefs and faith. I encourage you to be an example for those that follow, all of you. I encourage all of you to do that and inspire others. In doing so, you will both give and receive joy. Well, that's a lot to digest. And I would just have to say, easier said than done. How do we do it? It takes daily commitment to walking with our God, to getting close to him, Because when you get close to him, you will find that you can trust him always. And when you trust him, you will know that you can rely on him for your joy. Remember, joy is a choice. Our circumstances are temporary. God is at work. And have the confidence in his power. Remember our job. Keep perspective inspire, inspire each other and those that follow. Amen.